It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday january 13th 2011 my name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Always look forward to Thursday nights and our virtual Bible study. Glad to be with you. All right. And and um, we are glad that you're on the other end of the line. 877-381-4567 is the email address to you or the phone to use. Questions@collegeview.com is the email address. And you can join in the chat room with other listeners of the, if you're watching us from thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Uh, the chat window is on your right-hand side, and you can join in with other listeners there. We have an interesting program planned for tonight. We want to talk about God and his nature, and we have a special guest on the line tonight. Uh, Rick Kraft is joining us from Athens, Alabama, joining us via Skype tonight. He is with the First Church in Athens, Alabama. And uh, Rick, thank you for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Well, thank you for the invitation. It was a bit surprising and uh a bit sudden, but I'm very always willing to talk about the scripture. Well, it was a bit sudden, but uh, why do you say a bit surprising? Well, you just don't normally get a call in the afternoon asking you to go on the <laughs> okay. internet. Well, I, actually, Rick, I really appreciate you. This is Greg speaking. I, I spoke to you earlier today. I really appreciate your willingness to come on with us. I, I had tried desperately uh, to make contact with. Uh, uh, someone uh, of your denomination, you are affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church uh, International, I guess. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, I had been trying desperately to find someone. I'd even contacted the national headquarters office in uh, Kirkwood, Missouri. And after I got all lined out with you, someone from there finally did call me back. But I appreciate your willingness. I, I agree with you, Rick. I think that if someone asks us what we believe and why, Man, I look forward to opportunities like that. That's what I that's what I live to do. So uh, I'm glad you feel the same way and appreciate your willingness to come on the program with us. Our topic tonight is the Godhead, and we want to specifically investigate the difference, the doctrinal difference that that exists between those like us who believe that there are three beings in the Godhead: Father, Son, three distinct and separate beings: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And folks like you who believe there is only one. And and as I said when we were off the air, I'd like for you to just, I don't even know how you care to identify your position, but we want to hear about it and sort of understand how you come to that conclusion. Um, well, I would prefer to call it the, the oneness position. Um, I, basically, I think I'll just, if you, if you don't object, I'll just walk through some scripture and kind of just tell you where I am and what I feel. That's and that'd great. be good, Rick, because I think prob- this may be a, a new concept to, to many of our listeners. Let me hasten to add that um, don't consider me a formal representative of anything. I'm not sure I'm always orthodox, even in our own group, but I'll tell you how I am and uh, 
as you know, even within a small group, there's always some differences of opinion. Sure. Uh, I would start with Deuteronomy 6 and 4, uh, where the scripture says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That was the basic uh, law of Israel, the basic of the, uh, principle of their theology. If we use that term, they would not have, uh, was that God was one. Uh, Jesus spoke of that commandment and stated in Mark chapter 12 and in a couple of other places that, in fact, it was the first commandment of all. He quoted it in Mark 12:29. Uh, the first of the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second, of course, is like, unto, like namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he said, There's none other commandment greater than these. So we have to like each other. At least if we're pretending to obey his book, and even if we have differences of opinion, we have to love one another. But Israel was brought out of the polytheistic culture of Egypt to be a witness for that basic truth. In fact, if if we study it, the ten plagues actually were directed at ten gods in Egypt. Uh, God was showing them that the polytheism of the nations around them uh, was not to be desired. And when he got them out into the wilderness, he told them that was the basis for their worship. Because there was only one Lord, then he deserved all of their worship, all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, in fact, many times in the Old Testament, you will find that they called him the Holy One, or the mighty one. Uh, Isaiah 6 uh, starts off with uh, when Isaiah said, In the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uh, there must be something to the fact that a man who said he saw the Lord repeatedly refers to God as the Holy One. And I believe, I didn't count them, but there are numerous instances of that in Isaiah, let me, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Let me say better than 25 times, Isaiah calls God the Holy One. He calls him the Mighty One four times. So there's something significant about that to me. Uh, repeatedly through the book of Isaiah, that teaching is reinforced. It starts in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, when he said, uh, the prophet said, I'll give you a sign. Pardon me, I misplaced my glasses. That's all right. (laughs) We're talking with Rick uh, Kraft. Uh, on the virtual Bible study tonight, he's from Athens, Alabama. He's been kind enough to join us. He believes that uh, that, uh, that he does not believe in the Godhead or what might, some might call the Trinity. He believes uh, that uh, God is uh, just and there's just one figure and uh, that is God. 
And we're talking with him on his view on that. If you'd like to talk with Rick and with us, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat room with other listeners there tonight. Rick, if I could if I could just uh, interject something here in reference to the, the many comments uh, in Isaiah in particular. You referenced uh, Isaiah said over 25 times called God the, the Holy One. Um, I hope you understand we agree that there is one God. We have a different explanation of how that one is. But in reference to him calling the God the Father, the Holy One, uh, we would we would agree that he's re- he's referencing a specific being there, the 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 one being God the Father. Now, would those would those statements necessarily exclude that there are more beings who possess the same attributes of the Father? We believe the Father is one of the Holy. Uh, Godhead three would would those statements that you're referencing in Isaiah necessarily exclude that there are other divine beings? No, no. Well, I guess it, I guess it would depend on the meaning of one. Well, uh, if I was talking to if I was talking to. Uh, I, I was talking to the president. I, I was, whoops, are we getting are we getting some? Are you there? Are you there, Rick? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. If if I was talking to the president, uh, everybody would understand that that I'm, I'm referencing President Obama, likely. But he's not the only president that there is. There there are other presidents. In other words, if I was to say there's one president, and uh, he is he is the president, and I'd use the singular in reference to that specific individual. But that that statement does not preclude the fact that there are other people who possess the, the same kind of position of authority that that our president possesses. They live in different countries. They 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 serve other people. But in other words, my question to you, and I I, I cherish all those statements in Isaiah, talking about the mighty and the holy God. Uh, the mighty one, the holy one. But my question to you is that even grammatically, does that necessarily preclude the possibility that there are more than one who share in those characteristics or attributes? That's my question to you. I'd just like to have you address that. To, To use your own analogy, how many men have the power to, uh, unloose the armed forces of the United States? Well, obviously, only the president of the United States has that. But, but my 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 analogy is that there are others who who have the same characteristic attribute. They may not be equal in power. Uh, and and uh, for instance, uh, Jesus at this time in the New Testament is said to uh, uh, will say, says the New Testament says that in the end he will lay down his kingdom before God and become subject to him. So we're not saying that they're all necessarily uh, uh, equal in every respect, but we're talking about equal in regards to their basic characteristic. Let me go ahead and, and put the whole thing together. Okay, go right ahead. If I could, Isaiah said, the Lord will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And then he said in Isaiah 9 and 6 that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of his father David and upon, I'm sorry, to judge it, to order it and to establish it with justice and judgment with justice forever, henceforth and forever. Amen. So in this prophet who tells us there's one God, he also tells us that there will be a son born. And in naming that son Emmanuel, that names him as God with us. So we agree that the God of the Old Testament was a singular figure. Uh, He was an individual. And he says in Isaiah that I will not share my glory with another. And I have a list of scriptures there. I won't read them all. But in the New Testament, Something wonderful happened. God robed himself in flesh to provide a savior for humanity. John tells us the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now, begotten refers to birth. So a virgin conceived. We just read where Isaiah said that virgin would conceive. Uh, The angel told Mary that you will conceive, you will bring forth a son, you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the highest. And then in verse 35 of the same chapter, Luke chapter 1, the angel repeats, that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Joseph was told by the same angel that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, Matthew 1.21, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then the Matthew specifically references the prophecy in Isaiah. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So the word who was God became flesh. God was with us. According to Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. He's that holy thing that was born of Mary that God inhabited. Uh, he told the disciples. Uh, uh, Rick, it, can you hang yes. on just a sec? It's, we, we, we go to a break at a quarter after the hour. So let us take a break. 
And when we get back, I'd like you to real quickly just tie this all together because we need to get to some other discussion on this matter. And I promised you just keep you 15 minutes. I'm going to have to ask you to let us keep you just a couple minutes longer. But we're going to go to a break. And when we get back, let me give you just a couple minutes. I, I, I mean, this is getting a little too drawn out. I, I'd like you to put it together in a nutshell for us. Uh, you've given us several important verses to look at. Uh, I want to give you just a couple minutes more when we get back from the break to tie this together real tight uh, as far as your arguments are concerned, and, th- and then we'll uh, uh, let you go. But I'll do the best I can. Okay, thanks. thanks We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We appreciate you being on the other end of the line. We're talking with Rick Kraft of uh, the First Church in Athens, Alabama. He believes in uh, the oneness doctrine as it's commonly presented uh, and uh, does not believe in the Godhead. We appreciate you for being on the other end of the line. Rick, before we went to the break, uh, we asked you to get some ideas together to maybe give us... uh, Put it in maybe in 60 or 120 seconds of your of your of your argument in a nutshell. Yeah, we need to we need to move on to to some other considerations here, Rick. But we, I'd like you just to real quickly summarize, and you don't even have to give us Bible reference verses. You've given us a lot of those already. Just sort of summarize uh, real quickly this this position of the oneness. Well, I like to do it from the Bible. I'll just quote it, and you can okay. reference. Them. That'd uh, be good, Jesus. Is the image of the invisible God. First uh, Timothy three sixteen, God was manifest in the flesh. When you read the Gospels, the Jews who worshipped Jesus, it says repeatedly they worshipped Him. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Uh, that was testimony that they believed that He was God. Uh, Jesus, the very question that we're talking about was debated by the Pharisees in the book of John, chapter 8, the question of who Jesus was. He told them, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. He told John eight twenty four, if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sin. Uh, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you shall know that I am. Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 and I'll read this one and then I'll summarize and I'll be done beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily so I would suggest to you that God was a father to the Israelites God was a son in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that God served is now in the church the Holy Spirit. I don't see a distinction in persons. I see a distinction in roles. Okay. Rick, real quickly, uh, 
Uh, I hope you understand that, for instance, when Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped, you said it proved he is God. We believe that. I believe that that proves the deity of Jesus, that he allowed himself to be worshipped. That, that's, we don't disagree on the fact that Jesus is, is divine or possesses the quality of deity. And, the, and so the, when you said he allowed himself to be worshipped, therefore proving himself to be God, I, I, I would make the same argument. I'd make the same argument that that establishes the deity of Jesus. But that does not answer the question of whether or not he was a distinct divine being from his father. You see what I'm saying? Could I respond by by him in in that same context? He uses the Old Testament commandment, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. How does he if he is allowing himself to be worshipped, then he is identifying himself as Jehovah of the Old Testament. He was Jehovah who became salvation. He told the apostles in John 14 that I have been with you, but I shall be in you. The, The distinction is an artificial distinction. It's a distinction that came about in church history as a result of philosophy being applied to what the Jews believed and taught uh, during the time that Jesus was on the earth and during the time the apostolic church was spreading the gospel in the first century. Okay. All right. Uh, we've got several questions from our listeners, Rick. Would you mind answering uh, some of these? We'll just, go, we'll just give you a couple. I'm not a, I don't claim to be a scholar, but I'll do the best I can. Sure. Uh, Eric in Fayetteville, Tennessee, uh, says he believes uh, John 14, verse 26 uh, shows that there is more than one being in the Godhead. In John 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I have said to you. And John 15, verse 26, uh, says uh, similar things. Uh, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So it seems to be Jesus is talking about uh, a being other than himself in those passages. What would your your comments on that be? God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, I was trying to get to make that point by showing that God became flesh. Uh, the sonship of God deals with the flesh or the body. And therefore, you the spirit was not limited in God, in Jesus, as a, our spirits are limited in us. And in speaking to his disciples, he spoke of the three roles that he was fulfilling and not three persons. Uh, let, let's uh, let, let, uh, let's uh, look at a couple other passages. Anthony in Columbia asked about the creation account where, G, where God says, let us make imi- man in our image. Uh, how do you... Explain that. Who was Jesus? Who was God talking to there when He said, "Let us make man in our image"? Again, I like to go outside of the Scripture. I'm told by folks that know more about it than I do that that can be considered a plural of majesty. That just as uh, we sometimes speak of ourselves in a plural form, that He was speaking of Himself in a plural form. There, I, I, I understand that that argument, uh, Rick. In other words, a king might say. We are going to do this, and what he means is he's going to do this. And so that sometimes people in positions of authority use the plural in that sense. I understand that. But over in chapter 3 of Genesis, after Adam and Eve had sinned, in Genesis 3, verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, 
Now, there, it's clear that he's not talking about, he's not using the majestic plural. He's talking to somebody else who possesses the same attributes that he does. And I, I, think, uh, I think... I would respond that it doesn't necessarily say that they have the same attributes. It says he's become, they've become as one of us. Who would that be, then? Who would that be? The angels, the archangels. Well, I think if we put it together with John chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us who the us is. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was with God in the beginning. We believe the Holy Spirit was with God as well. So when when God said, let us make man in our image, he's talking to those beings who are with him. Um, and who make up God, by the way, which means, which goes to your point that there is one God, but there are three beings in that Godhead, and uh, and Jesus was with them at that time. Uh, Rick, let me ask you, uh, you, you suggested that the Spirit represents God's work in the church. Would you, would you argue, just for a point of clarification, would you argue that the Spirit did not have a role in Old Testament times? No, because I wouldn't. I would not argue that. I would say God is a spirit. It's the same spirit. Okay, I just wanted clarification because I uh, I didn't no. understand when you said there are different manifestations of the one being, and you suggested the Father and then the Son in salvation and the Spirit in the church, and, and that's that's why I was asking if you believe that the Spirit didn't have a work or a role or a presence in Old Testament scripture. See, I would no, I would no, I would say God is a spirit, and and the spirit of God has always been, it shall always be. It's eternal, it's omnipotent. Um, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. I would say rather it's more like you. Uh, I'm talking to you, and I think you're probably a speaker at a local church, uh, and you have your son there. Uh, he calls you dad. But the folks at the church call you sir or brother, and the other gentleman that you have there calls you friend. But they're still just one of you. You do you serve a different role or a different purpose for each one of them, but they're still just one of you. All right. And the God was a father to Israel. He was the son in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he's the spirit to the church. Um, one, well, I've got one other verse, uh, uh, Rick, that I'd like to get your interpretation of it i think it's been referenced maybe in passing already first corinthians chapter 15 beginning verse 24 then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to god even the father when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death for he hath put all things under his feet but when he has when he saith all things are put under him it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him uh and uh, verse 28, and when, he shall, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. We see there a, a picture of God the Father putting Jesus in authority for a certain amount of time, but it says there in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that God the Father is accepted. Jesus has all authority, but there is another being that is not subject to Jesus, even at this time, uh, being the Father, uh, waiting for that day in which he will put all things on, uh, will he will return the kingdom to God the Father. How do you interpret that passage with your view uh, that there is just uh, one being in the Godhead? It's intriguing that you would read that because that's the scripture I had down to close with. 
Um, well, let's let, we'll let you put your interpretation on that verse or your understanding on that verse, and then we're going to have to let you go, Rick. All right. Um, Jesus was the Son. He was the flesh. The Spirit became flesh. Therefore, there comes a time when there's no longer a need for a Savior because salvation will have been accomplished. He needs the body. He still has the body because the body is coming back to take to receive the church. The body will be used. However, there will come a time when, as Paul said there in Corinthians, God will be all in all. So my my interpretation of that would probably go to John chapter four, and uh, I would basically where John says he saw heaven, he saw the throne of God, and the scripture says one sat on the throne. So in the beginning God was God, in the ending God was God, and in the interim God became man that man could go to be with God. How do you explain, uh, speaking of the throne, how do you explain then that Stephen saw Jesus sitting on the right hand of God in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 56? In other words, you suggest God on the throne. We believe that. How, how did Stephen see another being sitting on his right hand of the throne of heaven? I, I accept it because it's in the scripture. My explanation would go much as I have just said that that body is there, uh, and we will, he is the image of the invisible God, so it may be that, well, there's one of two exa- two ways it can be, it may be that he's all that we'll ever see, which I tend to prefer, because that's the way we see God. The other way would be to say that the flesh, which is the body, uh, was needed for the sal- for salvation, it was needed for the ultimate uh, sacrifice. It was the sacrifice. He became the son. That holy thing that was born of Mary was the son of God. Okay. I hope All I right. made that we, perfectly clear. Rick, we kept, we kept you twice as long as I said we were going to, and I apologize for uh, overextending our uh, visit with you. But uh, we do appreciate your willingness to describe your, your, your uh, position uh, and uh, uh, I think that kind of openness and willingness to discuss is very important. We'll take some time uh, after we've dismissed you to kind of analyze what you said and, and, and give some of our thoughts to our audience as well. But we thank you for being with us from Athens, Alabama tonight. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you, Thanks, Rick. Rick. Really appreciate you being willing to join us and uh, and talk about your position. We want to hear your position on the phone tonight at 877-381-4567, over email at questions at collegeu.com, or in the chat room tonight uh, at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'll take a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll take your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Many times Christians feel as though there's nothing they can do to positively assist in the work of the church. This, of course, is a huge mistake. There's something for everyone to do. Let us suggest these things that every member of the local congregation can do that will help our collective service for the Lord. First, you can read your Bible every day. There are a few things that can compare to regular Bible reading when it comes to strengthening the soul and maintaining focus on spiritual priorities. What are you waiting for? Make the commitment right now to read your Bible this year. You can attend the services faithfully. We all push ourselves to do certain things. We'll go to real extremes to attend family gatherings, keep a doctor's appointment, go to a ball game, 
have a regular time at the beauty shop, and so forth. Unfortunately, some are not nearly so determined to attend worship services and Bible studies. If you can get out for other things, why can't you get out for the services? You can really help by simply being present at all the assembly. Third, you can pray fervently. Do you consistently spend time in prayer every day? Pray for the church, for the elders, for those who are weak, for our work in reaching the lost, and so forth. James 5 verse 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Number four, you can invite a neighbor, co-worker, or family member to attend the services with you. You might be surprised how many would be willing to come if you simply invited them. Fifth, you can set a good example. Don't forget that others are watching everything you do, everything you say, and everywhere you go. If you let down even once, they will notice it and your influence will be damaged. Be conscious of your impact by way of your example. And finally, you can be positive and enthusiastic. Too many are doom and gloom Christians, always looking for negative things to complain about. Look up, be thankful for what you have, and excited about what you can do for God's glory. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad that you're on the other end of the line. And we want to again say thank you to Rick Kraft from Athens, Alabama, for joining us tonight to explain his view. You mentioned earlier, Dad, that you want to talk about the Godhead tonight. I said it would be interesting if we could get someone who held the view yeah. that Rick does to explain his and, position. And what we did is what we typically do when we interview someone who holds a different position than we do. We let them explain and try not to interrupt any more than we just absolutely have to. So I hope and none we, of our listeners grew frustrated that we weren't challenging well, his we were, point. We, well, we were making notes and trying to, to observe what he was saying on purpose. But we do want to take the time to teach what we believe the Bible correctly states concerning the nature of God. All right. We want to hear your thoughts, and uh, this would be the time for you to join in. What you just heard Rick teach or what you uh, believe the Scriptures teach, let us know your thoughts. Uh, give us a call. It's toll-free, and the line is open, 877-381-4567, or send an email to questions at collegeview.com. Let's state first and most clearly that we absolutely believe, Jacob, there is just one God. Sure. Rick referenced Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, of the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. We believe that verse. That's Old Testament verse. In the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. We believe that there is one God. Now, I think what's really confusing to a lot of people is, and I asked this question to our update list, how can we say there is one God and then argue that there are three beings in the Godhead? And so that question is troubling to a lot of people. But I think the easiest way to explain that is to explain it in in reference to what? To, to our own existence. A lot of our listeners uh, practice the Passover on that question, though. They well, didn't answer you. Well, I think the answer is there are, there's, there's just one humankind. One in humanity. Fact, one humanity. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, uh, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. There's just You can take my blood and put it in a, any other human being on earth. If he needs blood transfusion, he has the same blood type that I have. But human blood is human blood. There's just one humanity, 
Now, there are obviously different beings that possess the attributes of humanity. There's, there's approaching 7 billion people now who all, 7 billion beings, but they are all human. They are all of the same kind. They are one in that sense. And so that's what we're saying about God. There's one God. There's one divine nature. There are three beings that share those all those same attributes or qualities. And I think that's the, that's the best way to parallel it, I think, in, in our finite human mental capacity to try and perceive it. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room. We can take your comments there, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you uh, on the program tonight. What do you think? Is Does that explain it in your mind? Does that make sense of this idea of the Godhead, that, uh, that God, there is one God, meaning there is one uh, Godhead or one nature, if you will, and three distinct beings in that uh, in that classification. Let, let me make some let me make some other verse arguments from from Scripture, Jacob. And you you feel the emails that we've got there, and see if any of those fit in with what I want to say about the nature. The nature and quality of deity is shared by three distinct personalities. It came up in our discussion with Rick about Genesis one. Anthony, I think you had the question about Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six, where God said, "Let us make man in our image." After our likeness, and and Rick said, well, that's just the majestic plural, plural pronoun, like a king would say, we will do this or that when he really just means himself. But in Genesis 3, and I don't think he had a good answer to this, in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord said, behold, man has become as one of us after, this, after he ate of the forbidden tree and had a knowledge of good and evil. God said he's become like one of us. That's not the same usage. There had to be some other beings there that he was referring to. Rick suggested maybe it was the archangels or angelic beings. Well, archangels are not like God. They're not the same as God. And so I think that has to, that has to establish that there's some other beings who have those same attributes. Uh, one verse that I think probably Jacob, our emailers, came in with had to be the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, beginning verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I think that's the classic passage that shows all three of them in, in the same episode. Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus is in the water, having been baptized by John. The Spirit descends and lights upon him, and the voice of God comes from heaven. Now, if there are not three separate beings there, have we got a situation where someone was trying to be deceptive? What was Jesus throwing his voice? Uh, uh, No, I think it clearly shows there are three beings. All right. Uh, Back to your point about uh, the fact that uh, mankind, humanity... Uh, we use that that word to de- describe all those who ca- have those characteristics at the Tower of Babel. Uh, notice what uh, God says uh, in verse six of Genesis chapter eleven. Behold, the people is one; they all have one language, and they and as this they begin to do, and now nothing shall be restrained from them. The people are one, just as God is one. The, the people were unified in their language. There, God said they're one. That's right. In the same way that he describes himself, we believe. That's the idea of one uh, in this usage. One one can mean literally just one, or it can mean figuratively united right. in one. And we'll see that, I think, from some verses of Scripture. And I think that Rick twisted some of those verses, uh, where uh, well, all the verses, I think, where he said they're one, 
He's twisted those. The Father and I are one, as Jesus said. He, that's referencing their unity, not the fact that they're the same being. Yeah. Well, uh, here's a verse I think that really establishes the distinction in the being. In Mark chapter 13, verse 32, speaking of the end time, Jesus said, Of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Yeah. Jesus said there's something the Father knows that the Son doesn't know. Now, if they're the same being and just different manifestations of the same being, how could that possibly be so? Right. It couldn't be. Uh, uh, another verse, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's one God. There's one who mediates between that one God and us who are men. Who is that? It's Jesus. The, now, that, we believe that the God reference there is God the Father. God the Father, and the mediator is God the Son. Right. Uh, that, that wouldn't work with Rick's explanation that Jesus is the only being in the Godhead, uh, and he just or he's he is God represented as of Jesus. Uh, who's Jesus mediating to there? How is he standing in the middle between God and man? That's like you. Let's say you and I have a legal dispute, Jacob, yeah. and you're in trouble with me. You're owing me money, and I say, well, I'll just I'll be a mediator between For, us. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, who, that, 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 that doesn't work. That does doesn't mediate. That's not mediation. Yeah. Here's one that I think John, uh, Rick mentioned John eight uh, as suggesting that maybe it fortified his position i think john 8 destroys his position jesus said in john 8 beginning verse 16 yet if i judge my judgment is true for i am not alone but i and the father that sent me okay as it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true i am one that bear witness of myself and the father that sent me beareth witness of me now get that jesus said in your law you have to have two to bear witness to something to verify it is so and he says, and that's yeah. what I'm doing here. It, it wouldn't work if Jesus and if, if the Father they're the, the same, same being. If, if they're the same right. being, that's a false argument. Jesus would be guilty of posing a false argument. Yeah, right. He's clearly saying there's two distinct beings, and both give testimony to the same conclusion. John 8, mark that down. John 8, 16 through 18, is devastating to the position of the oneness. All right. Uh, old Man River in the chat room tonight sends in John 17, verses 20 and 21, and uh, verse 22. Uh, which, again, shows us the, the idea of humanity being represented as one and uh, the Father and the Son being represented as one, multiple beings that fit the categorization and the uh, the characteristics of those. Notice John 17, verse 20, beginning, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Jesus is praying for a plurality here. And notice in verse 20, neither, uh, verse 21, that they also, or that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, if Jesus and God the Father are one being, when we become Christians, for that to work, for Jesus' prayer to come true, exactly. we'd have to just somehow meld into just one one person. Exactly right. Real quickly, we're going to go to a break, but real quickly, let me give you, let me give you some rapid-fire uh, verses that can't be answered by the oneness position. In John eight twenty nine, Jesus said, I do always the things that are pleasing to the Father. Romans fifteen three though, says, Christ also pleased not himself. He said he pleased the Father, but he pleased not himself. So they obviously are different beings. Right. Uh, in John 14, verse 24, the word which she heard is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. It's not my word. It's the Father's word. Well, if they're the same being, then it was his word. Right. Um, John 14, verse 28, I go to the Father. The Father is greater than I. How does that work? I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, well, I, mean, I know how it, I know how it works the way that I would understand it, but I don't know. I, I, from that, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So many of those verses just are impossible to explain by the oneness position. Yep. Hey, let's go to a break. When we come back, we'll try to tie some of this together. All right, we're going to take a break, and we have time on the other side of the break to take your comments. We've got several emails that we need to take, and we could take your email. We could take your comment in the chat room, and we'll probably miss some of those in the chat room. So the best way to get your comments on the air is to give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study and hope to hear from you soon. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the Virtual Bible Study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Missed a recent Virtual Bible Study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the Virtual Bible Study. Welcome back to the program tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, go to thevirtualbiblestudy.com to find out more about us, find out more about this program, and you can listen to all of our programs from the past over five years, going on six years, and we hopefully will have discussed any subject uh, that you may have comes to mind, and if we haven't, send it in and we'd like to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, there's almost there's approaching 300 different episodes there, so it covers lots of different topics. Hey, Jake, I've got an email from Harv. Harv's a longtime listener to in the Virtual Pennsylvania. Bible Pennsylvania. Glad to see you're listening tonight, Harv. He, he mentions Luke 22:42. Jesus said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. But, I mean, doesn't that just show exactly? I mean, they're very good, Harv. Harv can't explain how that could not show two beans, and we can't either. How, how does that work? Yeah, good, good, very good point, Harv. Okay. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Jack uh, Coleman in Hampshire says, Matthew 27, verse 46, uh, helps him to understand there are two beans. Uh, he, where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, who's he praying to, uh, Eric asked. And uh, so we appreciate that, uh, that comment. Got some emails from Arthur and Kalioka, and I don't really know. I'm just going to give you these verses that he suggests as maybe applicable to our study. John 17:5 and Hebrews 1, verse 8. Sorry, I don't have time to get to those, but there's a couple. John 17:5 and Hebrews 1, 8 that Arthur suggests may help. All right, we have a comment in the chat room, and this uh, listener uh, would, I think, uh, side with Rick in his uh, position. 
He says, don't ignore the fact that God was spirit and flesh. When he referred to the Father, he was speaking of the eternal position that he held. When he referred to the Son, he was speaking to the position he held in the flesh. Does that, uh, does that help you understand no. the passages? Uh, it really doesn't. In all honesty, that doesn't help me because uh, if they... We got to have it. We, we, you got to have it one way or the other. Either they're the same being, and therefore they would have the same knowledge and the same will. The verse that Harvey right. just suggested: if they if they are the same being, they would have the same will. Right. If, and they have and the same they, knowledge. And they'd as have you the said. same knowledge. So I, that doesn't help me much. Okay. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. Anthony's behind the controls tonight, and. Uh, and then you look like you had a thought there. Well, I don't know if I can articulate it, but based on that comment that you just read, it, it, like like Grace said, it sort of sounded like trying trying to have it both ways. It, he can't uh, refer to himself. If it's just one being, you know, how how is it, it doesn't make sense for him to refer to himself, uh, to say, well, he was referring to his heavenly, his former uh, position as God the Father, but now he's flesh, but that... If he's just one being, he can only be in one place. He can't refer to himself as a separate entity. I, that that just doesn't. Well, like. Sharon in uh, South Carolina has the same question or similar question. She, she says, "Why would he pray to himself?" Yeah. So it, it doesn't. Yeah. Make sense. Hey, uh, before we forget it, I wanted to comment on Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, uh, where uh, it, it gives the names of Jesus. Uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6, and, and Rick mentioned this in his arguments. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This, this Messiah who was to come was to be called the Everlasting Father. And I asked the question to our update list, uh, how can this be explained if Jesus the Son is distinct from the Father, and yet he was to be known as the Everlasting Father? That is a good question. I think, Anthony, you sent me an email. I think you nailed it. Off the cuff, you said, Father does not always mean the Father. We say all the time that, for instance, Gregor Mendel is the father of modern genetics. In this usage, it means he's the originator of something. The same could be the meaning in Isaiah 9, verse 6. I think it is. Jesus is the father of salvation. He made it possible. George Washington is the father of our country. That means he originated. He was the beginning point. And so that the, the word father does not necessarily mean the progenitor. Would that be the right word, Ooh, Anthony? Yeah. yeah Watch I like out. that word. Yeah. You, guys are, that. you guys are really getting intellectual here talking about the father of genetics and <laughs> progenity, right. whatever. Well, okay, wow. Wow. Um, Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, All right, let's get some of these emails real quick, Jacob. And then, as we wrap up, there's a there's a well known chart that we want to look at before we end our discussion tonight. But real quickly, uh, Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, says there are many passages that make me question the Jesus only view. Most people will use Mark one ten through eleven, where it gives all three persons of the God in the same passage. I think it's a good passage, but there are so many others that just don't make sense unless there are three persons in the Godhead. For instance, Romans 8, verse 3, God sending his own son. A contrasting verse would be Romans 11, verse 1, hath God cast away his people. It is the same terminology, but uses people instead of son. He wouldn't be talking about himself in either of those passages. First Peter 1, 17, if you call on the Father... Is that a contrast to the Son, which is Jesus? Hebrews 5, 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made high priest, but he said, but that he said unto him, Thou art my Son, 
today have I begotten thee. It is clear that God the Father is talking to Christ, the Son sure. of the passage. Sure, yes. Romans 8, 26 and 27 gives a clear, distinct, a clear definition on the job of the Holy Spirit. Why is it why is it important to know that the Spirit does and why did Jesus say that he would send the Spirit later? John fifteen twenty six. I'm sorry, I probably didn't get that right. Uh, notice Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6, 9. Our Father, is he praying to himself? Question. Why did Jesus spend so much time in prayer? Uh, why is Jesus telling others to pray? Why does the Bible go to such lengths to contrast between Father, Son, and Spirit if there is no difference? Uh, and then John seventeen twenty four. Well, you mentioned this earlier, Jacob. The yeah. Father art in me and I in thee. Okay. Thank, thank you, Wade. All right. Um, Eric, in his comments, uh, references, we referenced his earlier, John 14, 26, John 15, 27, or John 15, 26. Uh, and, um, and then uh, I guess that's all we have on that question you ask. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, ha- we have an email from Sherry, who's a new listener up in the Northeast, I think, somewhere. She says, uh, saying that God exists as three persons, but in one God means to me that God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have exactly the same nature or being as God the Father in every way. Whatever attributes God the Father has are found in the others as well. I think that's right. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Also, 1 John 5, 7 says, There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. I believe the three are one according to these verses. I agree with you. Thank you, Sherry. All right, Sherry, thank you for your comment. Uh, we have uh, we got a long email from our friend Pat in Harvest, Alabama, who's who has himself debated this subject before, and he sends us some debate charts. Uh, we just don't have time to get to them, but he sent us three pages of of passages that suggest the a, a clear distinction between the three beings of the Godhead. Okay, thanks, Pat. Thank you, Pat, for those comments. Uh, quickly, you ask, uh, how do we uh, explain the three in one nature? Yeah. How how if if how can three be one? I asked that question. And I think Sherry, Sherry touched on it. Uh, yeah. in her, I, her I think I think that we can understand this real easily. Husband and wife. Ephesians five thirty one. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they two shall be one flesh. How are they one? They're not one. They're not exactly the same, but they're one. They're united. They're united. They're united. united. Uh, Paul said of he and Apollos, 1 Corinthians 3, beginning verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Wait a minute. What do you mean they're one? He said it was Apollos. Mm -hmm. He planted, Apollos watered, and then he says he that watered, he that planted and watered are one. Yeah. How are they one? They're one in unity and purpose. They're not the same person. They're not the same person. They're one united in purpose. The Jerusalem church, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They were united in purpose. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the same thing as Jesus and the Father. And and I think a great passage is the one you brought up earlier, Jacob, Jesus said that he wanted his disciples to be one like he and the Father are one. How are he and the Father one? Perfectly united in all ways, and he wants his followers to be like that. All right, quickly, we have a chart that summarizes our position on this. And, uh, Anthony, if you could get that on the screen. Uh, Dad, you could uh, review, review uh, the chart. I think this uh, this chart's not original with you. No, not at all. This has been around a long time, but I think it does a great job. I imagine many who are listening tonight have probably seen this chart. What this chart does 
as you look at it, notice that each of the three beings is referred to as God. For instance, the Father is called God in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 3. See how that line goes from Father to the center point, God. The Father is deity. He is God. He possesses all the attributes of deity. The Son is also deity. And a passage that we already referred to, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Shows them as being two different beings. Uh, And then... The Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, when Ananias and Sapphira lied, it is actually stated to Ananias, first of all, uh, Peter said to Ananias, Satan, Satan hath, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of the price of the land? And then in the next verse, he says, thou hast not lied to men, but to God. So the Holy Spirit is God. So as you look at that chart, All three of them are God, but there's a distinction between them. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And also the Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. They are shown in so many different verses, and several of them are referenced there on that chart. There are so many passages that show the distinction in those beings. They're all God. They all possess the attributes of deity, but they're not the same. By the way, if anybody wants that chart. That's right. We can provide that. Yeah, if you'll send an email to questions at collegeview.com and say, send me that chart. I'll put it in the mail to you tomorrow. All right. Uh, so uh, we uh, that, 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 that is a very, good, a very good chart. So it shows that God is the Father, but he's not. Uh, I mean, the Father is God, the Son's God, and the Holy Spirit's God, but they are not one and the same. Uh, so uh, we appreciate uh, that, and we appreciate the good comments tonight. Um, any- Again tonight, we uh, we had to we had to shortchange our chat room last week with an interview we had, and we sort of had to do it again this week. But we appreciate those of you in the chat room and uh, and the passages and the discussion that you've been sharing in that chat room. It was a fast hour. Fast, very fast. Anthony, uh, thank you for manning the controls tonight. Thanks. It's good to be back. It's been uh, way too long since I've been here, so it's always a pleasure to be here. And excellent study. And want to again thank Rick. And uh, and you know, we're just to reiterate, you know, we're not trying to uh, to make Rick or anyone look bad. We're just trying to uh, point out what we believe the scriptures teach. And uh, we appreciate Rick's uh, civility, and we hope that. That, any, that if he's listening, uh, uh, you know, that he would agree that, that we've had the same civil tone. So, yeah, again, we, thank and, you. And, and, and the, the, the goal here is not to show that we're right. The goal is to look to the Scriptures we're trying to and find out scripture. what the Scriptures teach. That, that's and right. So we want, we, we, that's our motivation. And so and, and I think that would be Rick's motivation. Somebody well. might ask, and, uh, you know, what's the difference? What difference does it make? Well, this is obviously an important biblical consideration, the very nature of God. And so... Uh, you know, we need to understand this. And again, I would add words to what Anthony said. We very much appreciate Rick uh, and his willingness to discuss his view. A lot of people not willing these days to explain what they think or why. And they're also of the inclination to say, well, you can believe whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. It obviously matters to Rick, and we appreciate him for that. He has the same attitude in that regard as we do. It's important what we believe, and it's important to explain what we believe. All right. Well, we appreciate uh, your comments tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being on the other end of the line, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast 